Hello everyone, welcome to Upfront with the Archbishop. My name is Matthew Bodnarik, the producer, and you're currently listening to part two of our first episode on the authority of the bishop. Thank you for listening and enjoy the conversation between our host Jenny Connolly and Archbishop Richard Smith. Yeah, and I guess we're some of, as you would well know, a lot of maybe the the tension that can come with the sense of the bishop's authority is is maybe a confusion about when a bishop speaks, when is he speaking authoritatively, as in when are we obligated as the faithful to be attentive and to listen and to even obey what the bishop said, as opposed to when is a moment when a bishop speaks and we can legitimately take it with a grain of salt as a faithful Catholic, we can say, all right, Archbishop Richard Smith thinks this, but I think differently, and that's okay. I don't need to have a crisis of conscience. I don't need to think that I'm breaking the sense of communion. Certainly, specifically in situations where the church finds itself in a position where it's interacting with issues that relate to politics or to the governance of state, right? Um, uh, certainly, over the, the course of the pandemic, there were many issues that arose where the church was had to like necessarily needed to interact with issues that were directly coming from the provincial and federal governments. Um, and that, that was required and was required uh, for you to respond to those issues as a bishop. In light of that, in the light, in light of those situations where it, there's a, that difficult tension of what's the government's authority and what's the church's authority, what would, what would your response to this be? Where where does the bishop have specific authority um, as opposed to the secular government? When there's an issue that arises that is impacting both the faithful as Catholics and the faithful just as constituents of wherever they are in Canada, um, how do you decide whether you're going to speak on an issue where it, it's blending those two yeah, facets yeah, of our that's experience? A, it's, a great, it's a great question. It's, it's a complicated one, I'd have to say. So I yeah. mean, in terms of some of the principles that are involved, right? So the, the church does hold that there is a, a separation of church and state, there right? Is, Each yeah. has its legitimate sphere of authority. So the government tell, does not tell the church how to be Catholic, and I do not tell the local um, elected officials how to, how to run the government. So yeah. There's a separation there. However, sometimes there there might be some legislation, there might be some policy decisions made uh, within government spheres that do impact upon, could impact upon the life of the church. Maybe there is an overreach that's happening yeah. where the bishop might have to call them out and say, no, 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 you're gone too far here. Or there might be some things that impact negatively on the population in general that, that okay, it will be important, I think, to speak that this is, for example infringement upon some fundamental human rights that that run counter to our the human dignity that is inherent in virtue of being created in the image and likeness of God and so yeah. there are these moments and you and you you do judge it in the moment very often um, where it is right to speak now if that is judged as the right moment to speak then the other question becomes how 
And I think it's very, very important that a bishop take time to understand the situation, uh, research it, understand the facts, get whatever background information he can. Um, at the same time, consult with other bishops, consult with experts in the field um, to get all of the information as part of that discernment and then say at the same time, all right, how do I do this that still operates within my wheelhouse, if I can put it that way, within my sphere of competence as a bishop? Yeah, It's a, it's a delicate thing to speak publicly about a personal opinion that I might hold right? because I don't think I've got that luxury. In the public sphere, I don't think I'm ever just Richard Smith. I mean, there's, there's always, I'm always the Archbishop of Edmonton, yeah. and because I have, um, and uh, if I speak, even if it is just a personal opinion, it, it's not unnatural for people to think that I might, in some way, be representing the position of the Church on a particular issue. So I have to be very, very careful about that. So I try to stay within my wheelhouse, and from from my perspective theological perspective or ecclesial perspective, speak in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's also that, that area of when you know, I might be over-speaking in ways that people would say it's, it's not proper for him to speak in the way that he is, and therefore we really, we're not going to pay a whole lot of attention to it. So for example, if I tell somebody how they should vote in an election, vote for X or vote yeah. for this party, that's way outside uh, my ambit, right? Line, we, yeah. we leave it to people to discern on their own basis who best for them yeah. represents what they feel is important for for the polity. Uh, if, I, if for some reason I presume to tell somebody, God forbid this would ever happen, to act against their conscience, well, clearly then I'm out of line, yeah. right? If, if someone has a well-formed, conscience they've come to a particular determination that needs to be respected right? yeah. so uh, it would be out of line for bishops to say you must act contrary to your conscience and so what happens i mean this certainly happened in the case of the pandemic but even just in any situation if you're a member of the faithful who's in a position any situation where the bishop expresses something that you disagree with or you think the bishop is dead wrong but you still want to be a faithful Catholic and you believe in the authority of the bishop, but you really think that the bishop was dead wrong. How, how do we wrestle with that tension? If someone's in that position, how do you maintain um, a spirit of reverence for the bishop's authority while also striving to be, again, being true to yeah, your own yeah, conscience? Great, great question. I think, too, we have to distinguish, you know, what, what is the bishop actually addressing at a particular moment when he does speak? Right. So if, if I'm exercising my teaching role and I'm handing on the faith and saying this is what the faith teaches in this circumstance and somebody disagrees with that, well then perhaps the disagreement is not with me but with that Church's particular teaching. article of the faith. Well, that, okay. that's a problem in and of itself that would, they'd need to take a good look at. Sometimes the bishop will make decisions um, for the good of the unity of the church, he might be exercising his legislative function in establishing policy, or he might be making a particular decision about establishing or suppressing a, a parish. Um, these are situations that are not tantamount to obedience to the faith, you know, when people respond to that. And in situations like that, I would say to people, I'm not asking you necessarily to agree, and I'm certainly not asking you to like what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I do ask you to accept it, mm-hmm. 
and I ask you to accept it for the good of the communion of the church. Right. Because the bishop, his ultimate responsibility in whatever sphere he's acting or speaking is to seek to maintain the communion and the unity of the church. And uh, I do have a, a deep fear, and it, it did show itself rather strongly in that whole pandemic uh, situation about some of the fault lines that do exist among the people of God that can easily be triggered and create fracture mm-hmm. within the church. And we all have to be vigilant and act against that and seek to preserve the unity of the church. So sometimes there's going to be a time when I really don't like what this bishop's coming up with. Yeah. I don't know this Smith guy. He doesn't seem to know what he's <laughs> talking about. We hear all these things and that's yeah. fine, fine. But at the end of the day, for the good of the church, there's only one person in a diocese that's got that ultimate ability to say yay or nay. And for the good of that unity and preserving and staying together, it becomes a matter of accepting for now what this what the bishop right. has determined. Now, there's there's a phrase within um, within politics of party solidarity, the idea that um, you stand with who who is elected. If you're part of a party and you're the head of that party was elected, then you stand with them. You t- you toe the party line. And I know that when it comes to the bishop's authority, that can be some people's concern in terms of yes, of course we want the un- we want the communion of the church, we want the unity of the church, but we also don't want to sil- silence genuine division because sometimes there can be something really good in those fault lines, right? Sometimes when a small minority expresses a concern about something, there can be something good there. Not always, but there can be. So I guess if you're in a position where the bishop has has spoken uh, and you disagree, um, how do you how do you respond to that tension of wanting to retain communion? Of course, because again, you've said that that's one of the main roles, the main callings of the bishop is to preserve the communion of the church, but you don't want to have a false communion, right? Oh, it's communion in truth. It, it must okay. be, for sure. And I wouldn't be so quick as to say that someone disagreeing or having concern represents a fault line. We have fault lines in the church when we get into dissent and moving away from the church. and So it's perfectly legitimate for people to have concerns and to raise them and to express them. Now, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning of this, it touches on the co-responsibility that we all have for the mission of the church. And so if people do have concerns, first of all, I hope they do because it means they're taking things seriously. Seriously, right. right? And they want, and if they want to express them, they should. That becomes an expression of, at the end of the day, their love for the church. You know? Right. So there, there has to be within the communion of the church, given our co-responsibility, a place for healthy dialogue, healthy debate, uh, speaking the truth to one another, but always in love for the sake of growing together more deeply into the communion of the church. So you're saying that the issue would be if someone were to say, okay, I disagree with the bishop, therefore kind of let's just dismiss the bishop's authority overall. Like let's, we don't need the bishop or let's elect another bishop, which again is not a legitimate process yeah. within the Catholic yeah. church. I'm but sure there's strong temptations along yeah, those lines. Yeah. By, <laughs> but you're, times, you're saying yeah. that's the, like the, the error is not to disagree with the bishop necessarily. The, it's the just error. a venial sin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Noted. <laughs> um, but the, the error would be to, to just dismiss the idea of the bishop's authority. So rather than to try to resolve that tension under the authority of the bishop, I guess. And in that, in understood in that sense, tension can be a grace. Tension can be a grace. Right. Yeah. Now there was one thing I wanted to clarify. We have to, we have to wrap up pretty soon, but 
Um, you mentioned how there's your there's moments where you're speaking with the teaching authority of the bishop, and so maybe an example of that would be you you clarifying the Catholic definition of marriage, and you're reasserting yeah. the church's teaching on marriage and saying again, this is what we believe that marriage is as Catholics. But then in the case of the pandemic, you say, you know, I believe it is it is it is very likely a charitable decision to get this vaccination. What's the difference between those two statements, categorically speaking? Is one teaching role and then the other is the executive? Or like what, how, how technically speaking are those I, statements I, I different? I think what you're talking about there is a distinction between handing on the faith and making yeah. sure that people understand fully what the faith is and then a prudential judgment whereby what we believe to be the truth is applied in a particular circumstance. So the the truth in this case that we wanted to uphold in all circumstances, obviously, is the sanctity of life. Okay. The sanctity of life. And therefore... And just to clarify, the sanctity of life in the context of the pandemic, that's what you're talking about. Well, yes, and but the context of the pandemic brought that sanctity of life in its full spectrum to the fore because... The fact that there may be a stem cell line that's involved in the production okay. of the vaccine, all right, we don't want in any way to be undermining the church's very, very clear teaching on the sanctity of life from conception yep. to natural death. The sanctity of life also came into play in wanting to act in such a way that I'm exercising my responsibility for others in helping to preserve their health. Okay. And so as we're upholding the truth of the sanctity of life in these rather complicated circumstances, then prudential judgment would lead us to say things like, in this circumstance, it's morally permissible uh, to receive this vaccine, or it's, 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 it's a, a prudential judgment that, yes, in these limited circumstances for a limited amount of time, we'll restrict the numbers of people that are gathering for Mass and finding other ways, you know, to... Mm-hmm to help them through technology to celebrate the, the liturgy and so on. So one is, again, a direct passing on of the church's teaching, which has mm-hmm. been maintained throughout time, yep. consistently within the bishops, and then the other is an application of the truth. How do we stay? Which, how do we understand the truth? How do we stay faithful to the truth? And how do in, we apply it in, in this specific in, situation? In specific circumstances and in evolving circumstances right. that very often are are new to everybody. Okay. Well, that, that's really interesting. I appreciate those those clarifications of, of the different statements that can come from a bishop. And I know that's really helpful, especially as it's inevitable as as culture moves on, as, as our national situation continues to evolve. There's going to be lots of circumstances where uh, bishops, yourself specifically, and the bishops at large are in a position where they need to make statements that um, may be gre- greeted with applause and may not, but as as a part of the faithful, especially for myself, I'm really grateful to have more clarity as to uh, when to be attentive and to exactly know where, categorically speaking, a statement is coming from a bishop. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. Now, one question I had about the process of making a difficult decision is how you approach these moments of authority and decision-making through prayer, especially when you know that there's going to be a decision you're making or a statement you're going to be making that is going to be received with some anger or dismay. How do you approach praying about that? Because I'm sure it has an emotional toll on yourself, but you also know that as an authority, you're putting yourself in a position where there's going to be tension and potentially division that is going to have to be grappled with. So how do you pray about that? That's very good. Um, there's a couple of things. First of all, I spent a lot of time before the Blessed Sacrament 
um, that's the real presence. We know Jesus is there. And, and in my residence, I have a chapel and made sure the Blessed Sacrament is reserved there. And so I'll spend a lot, so I spend a lot of time there anyway to begin with. But if, if there are some difficult decisions to be made or if there's a time when I'm going to have to speak in a difficult context, I'll spend a lot of time there too. And, and asking the Lord to fulfill that promise that he made to his apostles that, you know, make up your mind to know that the Holy Spirit will be with you to give you the words that you need as they are needed. And I often think, too, of a conversation I had with a parishioner years ago when I was a parish priest in a small parish in Nova Scotia. She herself had to speak in a, in a difficult context, and her prayer was, Holy Spirit, land on my tongue. <laughs> I love that prayer. And so I've repeated it often, Holy Spirit, land on my tongue. So there's prayer in that sense. Um, but there's also when, you know, when praying to discern what the right thing is to say or the right decision to take, um, prayer needs to be complemented by what I call going to the body, going to the church. So the church is the body of Christ. And, and so uh, finding trustworthy people, uh, brother bishops, other confidence, confidants, um, people I know I can speak to about the situation, hear their uh, advice um, so that I'm discerning it together with others and not trying to figure things out on my own. Uh, yes, I may be the one that's called upon to speak at the end of the day, but the discernment of what I need to say and the position I may need to be taking, that's that's something I, I try never to do in isolation. Prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, first of all, a prayer to the Holy Spirit uh, to inspire within me whatever needs to be discerned or thought or said, but then testing that all. Remember, Scripture says we always have to discern the spirits, test the spirits. So test that with others and see what a spiritual director, confessor, others, see what they would have to say about that and, and help me formulate that position. And if you're in a position of being rushed or you have to respond to something quickly, which I know is part of the role it of the It happens, yep. yeah. How do you incorporate prayer into that? Holy Spirit, land on my tongue. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a good, quick prayer. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, it's interesting, you know. Yeah. I may be in a hurry, which is always a little tricky. We may be in a hurry. Yeah. God's never in a hurry. Mm. God knows what's going on. He knows what he's doing and is always involved. So in the midst of our rushing, in the midst of our busyness and our distractions where we can so easily, quickly make mistakes. God doesn't mean God's in a hurry. God, God is there. God, God guides. God is always before us. He walks with us. He walks behind us. Mm-hmm. And so if we just, you know, in, in every moment, just keep lifting the heart to God, mm-hmm. lifting, lifting the heart up and say, okay, take this over. You guide it. Lead us to the right place. And he, and he will. He will, yeah. And it's true, like you said, we may be in a hurry, but God is not the same with a situation like the pandemic. Although it may be a very legitimate human crisis, God is not in crisis. God is not up in heaven thinking, oh crap, what are we going to do? That's not the divine perspective. So it's, uh, I really appreciate that, like, mm-hmm. like um, grappling with that tension of we're in crisis, but the Lord is not. Don't forget it. Yeah. All right, so at the end of every episode, we're going to have a segment called Ask the Archbishop Anything. And for anyone who doesn't know, when you go to the 
the website for the podcast at the Archdiocesan website, there is a place where you can record questions that you would like to ask the bishop. So for anyone listening, you can go directly to the website for the podcast. All of the information is in the show notes and you can ask the archbishop quite literally anything you'd like. And at the end of the episode, we will be uh, responding to those questions. And today we have a question that is actually related to our discussion about authority and the bishop's role. Hello, Archbishop Smith. I am new to Catholicism and I'm wondering what an archbishop does. What's the ideal for what an archbishop's job is? What does it actually look like? Yeah, thank you. Great question. Uh, First of all, welcome to the faith. If you're new to Catholicism, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Um, I'm smiling a little bit as I listen to the question because it's it's one of the first that I'll get when I go into schools and I visit the kids and they often will do a Q&A with the archbishop and the first question usually is like, who are you? Why are we talking to you? What's a bishop? And then the others will try to answer, well, he's the guy in the funny hat or he has that weird stick that he carries around with him. To put it very simply, the, the bishop is one who succeeds to the role of the apostle in the local church. So Christ, as he founded the church, established it around or upon the foundation of the 12 apostles who went out and evangelized. And as they announced the gospel, Christians gathered around them, people who wanted to follow the way of the Lord, and not having known the Lord personally or heard him directly, would want to know, okay, how, how do we stay faithful to Jesus? Well, there's an apostle. He is someone who spent time with the Lord, and we can look to him as our um, frame of reference, as our touchstone of fidelity. So if we listen to the apostle, then we can have that confidence that he is handing on to us what he heard from the Lord. And so that's the basic instinct that is carried on through the church in what we call apostolic succession. So in every uh, local church and in every age, uh, God calls forth people to succeed to the role of the apostle. And the successors of the apostles are the bishops. So in essence, the bishop in his diocese exercises uh, what we call the apostolic ministry and has the responsibility, therefore, of preserving the faith, handing it on faithfully, making sure it's taught clearly. And related to that is uh, oversight over the celebration of the sacraments and then administering or governing the church to keep her in unity through the establishment of various policies or making judicial determinations or executive decisions in terms of the administration of the goods and so on. So the bishop succeeds to that apostolic ministry whereby uh, his role is to preserve the communion of the church because the Lord established the church as a communion um, through the threefold task of teaching, sanctifying, and governing. And maybe I'll just interject and ask, what's the distinction between an archbishop and a bishop? It relates to um, the designation of the diocese itself. And so um, our dioceses, the territories, certain geographical territories, entrusted to a bishop that have a number of parishes within them, we group those in what we call ecclesiastical provinces. So just like there's a capital city in any of our provinces, there is a capital diocese, if I could put it that way, within the grouping of dioceses together in an ecclesiastical province. 
And the diocese that is chosen, often for historical reasons, to be the <laughs> capital city of that ecclesiastical power is the archdiocese. Okay. And the one who is uh, nominated and installed to be the bishop of that archdiocese thereby becomes an archbishop. Sometimes there will be in the church um, bishops who have the title archbishop in virtue not so much of the diocese but of the role that they exercise in the church given its significance. So, for example, um, an apostolic nuncio or the pope's ambassador in a particular country, given the fact that he's the personal representative of the Holy Father, um, will be designated an archbishop or some uh, bishops in the Vatican Curia that lead significant uh, uh, dicasteries, they call them, or departments, in order to show the significance of that role, will also be designated an archbishop. Okay. Well, thank you. That's that's a that's a great clarification. And uh, thank you for sending in your questions. Again, anyone who's listening, you can go to the Archdiocesan website and record your own question for the bishop. The information for that is in the show notes. And bishop, just as we close, would you be able to give us a blessing to close this episode oh, today? Sure, sure, sure. Well, let's first of all give thanks to God, give glory to our God for his never-failing goodness to us, for the love that he has shown to us in Jesus, his son, the love that he pours out into our hearts through the Spirit, for his love and mercy without which we simply cannot live, certainly without which we cannot be the disciples of, of our Lord. And as we thank the Lord for his goodness, we ask him to bestow upon all of us his blessing. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, remain always, and fill you with much peace and joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for this conversation, Archbishop. And You're welcome. Yeah, and we'll be back next week. Bye.